So here's what happened is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I am Lanisha, joined by my co-host, Carolyn. Hey, it's been a while. (laughs) It has been a while. I mean, we've been busy. I graduated, you've had festivals, you went to South Korea. I I know. And it's only getting busier because I feel like we're at peak festival season for Mm -hmm. festival and con season. So lots going on, lots of content to hopefully come from y'all. I mean, y'all have been keeping up with, you know, our segment podcast, the podcast within our podcast, Mm -hmm. Carolyn Talks. (laughs) Um, So yeah, keep up, keep up to date there with all the things, Carolyn, all the festivals and things that Carolyn has gone to and industry people she's interviewing. I will get back to doing interviews myself eventually. Um, honestly, I'm just, I, I, I like to just talk about manga, anime, and films, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Specifically, we're going to talk about a little, you know, a little Disney um, number that has been doing numbers, The Little Mermaid. Um, I think they said that the movie has made double the budget back by now. I'll look up the actual number, but it's, it's been doing gangbusters. Yeah, they've been, they've been more. I think they've more than doubled the mm-hmm. budget right now, just yeah. in the U.S. alone. Like it's been like doing it. Oh yeah, if we're talking wow. nationally, um, it, it it they they made their money back. Oh yeah, so you in the U.S. it has made over two hundred million dollars, mm. and the so, budget two hundred and fifty mil. Okay, so they are almost there then. Yeah, but, they, but that's, that's just the U.S. That that's just the U.S., right? And they can do like 50 million in the U.S. alone in one weekend. Yeah, no, I, I believe it because like people are just still now seeing it. So I, I feel like it's going to um, continue to make more. Yep. See right now in the world, it is ranked second and it mm-hmm. has made worldwide three million and twenty three hundred and twenty six million dollars. Right. So that's a lot. That is a lot. Like, it's already taken over from Fast X. Some of these movies have been out for a while, so that's bound to happen, but... Right? The film has only been out for... It's not... Like, this weekend will be a week because it came (laughs) out on June the 2nd. Exactly, which, as y'all know, it's been a week. This is a podcast. We're going to have spoilers in it, but also this is a film that and story that has been retold and can be told. If if we spoil The Little Mermaid for you, I feel like the only things we would actually be spoiling are any of the changes they made in the story this time around. So with that, with that being said, let's dive right in. Carolyn, first of all, let's talk about expectations going into this film, knowing that like, as for those who may not know, I don't know how y'all don't know because this movie was announced years ago, but this is a retelling of Disney's Little Mermaid, which is based off of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. But I think it's important for people to understand that this is a retelling of Disney's version of The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. And it's on a reimagination. It's not, I feel like that's the, one of the biggest things when people, when we talk about adaptations. So there's people who assume that this film should have been, um, you know, a mirror image of what the cart- of what the animated film was. And honestly, I went into this with open expectations. I was like, you know what? If they want to change the story, you know, maybe adjust some of the character arcs or, you know, decide. I was kind of open to any changes they wanted to make to the story. Because if we're being, if I'm being honest, while I love The Little Mermaid, the original film, um, we can't deny that Ariel is very two-dimensional in the, in the animated film. 
pun intended. One dimensional. I, I, like she's a very flat. Like let's keep it real. We'll get into this yeah. more, but let's keep it real. The Disney female heroines, the princesses, maybe with the exception of Mulan and Tiana, are very flat narratively. They're not very well-rounded characters at it all. It took a while for them to They're- become well-rounded because I would say it was the Little Mermaid series is where. Ariel has yes. more personality and more depth as a character. And yes. that's where I fell in love with her more. Like, I love the movie. But for people who don't know, it's that series, which I feel like somebody watched that series. And that's what helped inform a lot of um, Hallie's Ariel versus. And that's no shade to Jody Benson. That's just like Jody yeah, did. What Jody she was, was just to do. given what she was was just working with what she was given. Right. But Jody Benson also was, was the and was the voice in the animated series. So. Mm-hmm icon but i think that's an important thing to understand so like a lot of people will be like oh she's dumb for giving up her voice for a man so how are they going to update that now i'm like i really appreciate how they updated ariel's like personality and just the and gave more depth to her character this time around yeah they they the, i mean pull up the i have the credits up so my mm-hmm. my things went down so like it's directed by rob marshall who is who's directed lost musical so he did um chicago which is one of my favorite musicals mm. but also one of my favorite musical films like he and he did that and um into the woods which you know was the yes you know the angsty dark version of cinderella and mm-hmm. um, also like house and Gretel and those kind of things like all those and, uh grim brothers fairy tales exactly he's done like those kind of adaptations so he knows how to direct musicals and for the writing like the script was yes they used the original they didn't even go back to the original Hans Christian Andersen tale they just redid the Disney version right Disney adaptation of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and like the writing was done by David McGee and John Musker and John Musker I believe also worked on like the first film so he was um kind of like as a consultant and they had new writing but Aria, Ariel is a very flat character. Like, this is a girl who saw this man on the ball of a ship one night and was like, you know, I want to be part of the human world. Like, this man, I'm in love. You know, typical Disney fair. Like, she mm. falls in love or extreme, like, obsession with this man that she doesn't know. Don't even know his name. Don't know even if this man is a bully. Don't know if he's a terrible son. Don't know if he's a human being, a terrible human being. But she's like, I saw him laughing, so therefore he must be good. But that's what I will say this, and that happens in the cartoon, but what they did with this film is that we got to see, I think what makes this film really work for me is that Eric, played by Jonah um, Horror King, he, he's given more depth. Yes, Eric has a personality in more than three lines. Exactly, he has a personality that's more than just looks like this Eric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this Eric is like from a Caribbean, oh, we're going to get into that. But he's like, he's a prince, an adopted prince. And he's like, you know what? I want my, com- my country, my, my subjects, my, my home to be more than it is. I want to move it toward, I want it to, I want to move it into the future. I want it to be not as stuck in the past as it is and to be on level, which is very American thinking when you think about it, on level with um, other countries internationally. <laughs> And I, I like that. They're like, you know what? This boy has purpose. He's not just there to be a prince and like fiddle, twiddle his thumbs and waste taxpayers money. You know, he's like, you know what? I actually have, uh, I wonder if he, he's supposed to be like kind of based on um, Prince Harry. 
<laughs> that's the that'll be hilarious if he's supposed to be based on Sincere. I mean, I I honestly appreciate it that like for Ariel, the moment that she like I guess we could say she fell for him or like she became enamored with him is because she heard him talking and it's like his ideals and feelings about wanting to explore the world and not wanting his kingdom to be left in the past mm. or to be forgotten or to fall behind. Cause like he gave legitimate reasons. Like, no, it's not that he just wants to go exploring all over the seas. It's like, no, I need to figure out ways that I can help us stay ahead. So we don't fall behind so that I can, can like, and that's how he sees himself being a, a good King where it's like with Ariel, her position as being the youngest daughter, try we, we see that Triton has seven daughters. They, the seven daughters, well, which is confusing because if he had seven daughters and seven C's, seven daughters the from the seven C's, it was like the UN nations up in it there. It was, <laughs> but like my my whole thing was like, so what is Ariel supposed to do? And I kind of wish that she had pointed that out. Is like, Dad, like Daddy, I what am I supposed to rule? Like you have seven daughters who cover the seven C's. What is Ariel's job to take on Triton's role eventually? I was just curious because it's like, I could see why Ariel is like, well, I ain't got nowhere to rule. Why don't I just go and have these adventures and learn these new things? And like, like, so I feel like Ariel is very much like, almost like, like her role. Like if all the daughters have their role and granted, like I loved seeing the daughters, but like their moments are very small. And again, but, but, that's how they were. And it's not about them, but it's like, exactly, I would but the thing so is, like, Has about Ariel Harry ever Moore. tried to do anything apart from, find treasures and and hoard them and like, in theory they, there was moments where like she was given responsibility but at the end of the day she ran like, away from those it's not as if she didn't have things to do she just didn't want to do those she was being a no i mean like teenager. from what we know of the character is just like and that's the thing like there was she was not given she doesn't have a necessarily a she is a princess she's a daughter of triton but like she doesn't have a necessarily a role so like i would have been interested in the film like maybe exploring like what is it that Triton wants her to do? Like, what is she supposed to do at this Coral Moon gathering? Because I'm just like, I understand that the other ones are queens of their sea, but Ariel's the baby. So what is she supposed to do? So I think that would have been just interesting to like, see how that could have like maybe played into it. Like it's because now it just seems like towards the end of the movie, it seems like she's just taken on it being an ambassador for her world in a way. <laughs> like you know what i mean like like after the storm like we saw her sisters cleaning up the ship cleaning up the exactly record, and she didn't even pick up a sh she didn't even pick up a piece of uh, a piece of um debris she just talking about, i'm like girl I, I was legit in the cinema I was like you gonna help them try to help clean up and again um, I, I blame that on like ariel is the baby and she don't not not that she doesn't know any better it's just that she's just so stuck in her ways of just like Oh, She's they didn't mean okay. they didn't mean they didn't mean for their ship to wreck. Okay, girl, that's fine. But like this ship is messing up all like messing up the ocean. It's like it's like her family is where Aquaman was before the Justice League came to him. Like their family is very much like, nah, these humans is causing trouble and we don't like this and they're pollu polluting our waters. And she's just like, but we can learn from them, father. Ma'am, y'all, y'all got a shipwreck in the middle of the like in your home. But anyways, from there, I would say, so I would just say like going in with open expectations of like, okay, this is an adaptation. It may clearly, it may not look like the original Disney film, given in the fact that 
Ariel is was in this time around was played by um Halle Bailey and I for one think Halle's performance was stunning. Mm-hmm. I think she's probably I think I honestly could not imagine anyone else playing this role and singing those songs besides her after seeing her performance and I feel very confident when I say that and we don't have I feel like you and I have talked about representation and like people's arguments about her casting in this film for a while and it's just like at the end of the day she's a mermaid and I will address one thing because I've seen some people's comments on TikTok about like somebody said like so they erased slavery and my whole thing is like it's a fairy tale I I honestly feel like we can we don't always have to mention slavery when we're when we have black characters and I, okay, I like I, let I me was, have a happy ending. I'll say something about that because I actually was I, I was actually bothered in the in the scene in the, the film, and I was actually trying to write a piece about it, but I decided not to because I'm like, you know, Karen, I just let bygones be bygones. But what I will say is the reason why that person said what they said, and I I I know because that person said that, that me and the other person that other people have had the same talks because I've talked to other people about it in the DMs. The reason why that is bothering people is specifically me being from the West Indies is because one, they have the film set on a Caribbean island, which I think is, hmm, that was a real choice because like, why move it from Europe to the Caribbean? I don't Caribbean? think it was ever, I don't think, I will just say, I don't think it was ever determined that it was Europe. It was, again, it was, it was, no, just, it was, it was a fairy Europe tale. It, it was in Europe. Basically, it's all of the Disney cartoons are basically set in the same universe, like in Europe, because they repeat. Remember Gaston, not Gaston, sorry. <laughs> we're saying Gaston. Remember, Sebastian went to the palace, and the cooks and the maids were speaking French, and all of the other, uh, and all I of the other so. maids and servants were speaking with European accents. Some were French, mm-hmm. and some were British. So it was set in Europe. The original film was set in Europe. The original Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid is set in Europe. It's a European story. The f- original cartoon from 1989 set in Europe. So when they moved it from Europe to the Caribbean, it was like. I was, I saw, first of all, I saw the tropical trees. I saw the tropical landscape. I saw the palm trees and the coconut trees. I'm saying, please don't tell me this, this story in a Caribbean island. Then you have the scene where he's talking about traveling all over and he's naming countries, he's naming countries like Venezuela. He's naming um, other, other, he named Jamaica, I believe. He named a few other Caribbean islands, but they're not even going to name the one that they live on. I, to me, as again, from a Western, as a Caribbean person, we're and the history of slavery in the Caribbean, I took I, I had issues with that one, but then having you had that scene, but then also they talked about the rum trade and they talked about sugar cane trade. That's slavery is existing in that universe. They talked about it, so it's this is the same issue I have with Bur- I have with Bridgerton, where they're pretending that this is a fantasy, but you're mentioning real world situations. You know, so like I understand what the person's saying. And then not to name the country. And then that like, you got all of this milk. And then like the architecture of the palace, people all said the Caribbean aren't going to recognize it. But people from the Caribbean are going to recognize the architecture used in that palace. And that's where it's telling me that slavery exists is because in the architecture of the palace, there's these, if you look at the walls, there's these blue and white murals, right? And if you, and in the Caribbean, those murals are real. When you go into like the old plantation houses, when you go into certain old buildings in Barbados, if you go into the museum, 
you see these these blue and white murals and these paintings. It's a very particular art style um, used in in the Caribbean islands, used particularly for plantations that are depicted on these walls. And I said, oh wait, they literally went and took took visual reference from plantation houses, from from our work depicting black people being enslaved and being whipped, uh, whipped and beaten, actual artwork and copied it and put it in this film. And I'm like, that's what it shows you that these films, these Disney films are not made for anyone but North Americans. They're not made for anyone specifically Americans because they know Americans who are not familiar with architecture or whatever are not going to catch these cultural references. They're not going to catch these things that me, a person from the Caribbean, recognize instantly. And I was bothered by that. I said I was planning to write about it, but he said he not to. So I understood what the person was saying because, again, like, Americans aren't going to be bothered, but me, I'm just like, bitch, you guys might have took artwork from a plantation house and inserted it into this story. But I, but I digress. I'm not going to go into that yet, but that's what I'm saying. I understood where that person was going to come from. And that person, that article got beaten up, but I wanted to be like, Americans, please know that Black people exist outside of North America. And please remember that slavery existed outside of North America and existed in a slightly different way in the Caribbean as it did from America. That's it. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> yeah, I, under, I, I hear you. And I honestly, I appreciate your opinion on it. And like, like in sharing that, I guess my thing is like at the end of the day, the story is for children. So I feel like the challenge would be if they tried to go into that realism and they included slavery, that it just changes the whole scope of it. Because what's what would be what does that change? I just feel like that would change a lot of things. And like just the audience it's geared towards first would be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like it's a but it's a it's punching above for children, I think. I think that if this was like once upon a time and they did this, I'll be like, oh, yeah, totally could see them exploring that. And like but like and this is one of those things where I applaud the Brandy Cinderella because it firmly stands that it's set in a fairy tale world. Like but you have all these different people, different races. No one questioned that Brandy was Cinderella or like even to this day people do not get like do not like show as much hate or like um try to like say like why she couldn't be Cinderella because she was black it's like it's just accepted that this was a fairy tale and I think maybe that's something that the movie could have done differently is like just firmly set yourselves like in the world that this is a fairy tale versus like maybe don't bring so much realism into it and try to ground it which is like on one hand it's like a it's a dual-edged sword because oh we would really love to if we're gonna have these people like these characters and actors in this in this setting we want to bring in this cultural influence and show up but to your point it's like if y'all are going to do that you probably shouldn't do that as an ornament versus actually diving into it exactly like there was no need to set it on a caribbean island you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and even if they did there's no need to use actual artistic reference from actual plantation houses exactly the building mm-hmm. it was like i was like i was i was literally saying it was like wow like I stick to it being me. fairy tales and then like i know that's challenging and it's like like for me for for one like it's kind of like it's what black panther does very well where it's like wakanda is a fictional african country but it pulls in 
cultures and heritages from different tribes and you know different places in Africa but the thing is it acknowledges the history with those cultures so it's like one of those things where if you're going to do that I feel like you have to do it 10 toes down but if you're not going to do that it just feels like it's an ornament which like I appreciated the looks and the setting but at the same time it's just like I would have been completely fine if it would just all look like a fairy tale world and not but like and still have the diverse people like still have all these different people in it. And, and the thing that's why that's why I compared it to Bridgerton because it's these and you know what's the difference between they're trying to do what Cinderella did like Brandy mm-hmm. Cinderella did and even what Black Panther did and where Black Panther even though Black Panther is the people of Wakanda are all black but they pull from different different black yes. cultures like black mm-hmm. tribals black tribes black countries in within Africa and all that you know, so they made it multi-ethnic and multinational in the exactly. But wh- the difference between Cinderella and Black Panther and what's going on with Bridgerton as well as this Little Mermaid is the creative teams. The creative teams of Bridgerton and this Little Mermaid are all white. Whereas the creative team for Cinderella and for Black Panther films are m- mixed race. The EP for Cinderella was a Black woman was... Um, was Whitney Houston, and she had other Black people mm-hmm. involved in creating the film and in the music. And for Black Panther, we know like this, the creative team is almost all Black. And then also for Black Panther, the- Black Panther theme was Black and Indigenous, um, right? South America and Indigenous, like Latin and South American people were involved in the mm-hmm. in the creative thing. So like you knew that respect was being paid. Whereas for 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 Cinder and uh, for a little mermaid, it's like. They're saying we want to make it diversity because we know diversity sells right now. We know all these black people mm-hmm. are going to turn out because they want a black lead, but we're not going to put the work in to make sure that it's not offensive to right. black people. They're doing the bare minimum. Already. I would agree because I think at the end of while well, after seeing the film, I can honestly say I don't think I can see anyone else playing the role besides Hallie. Oh, but she was perfect casting. They were correct perfect casting. Caster. Perfect. But, but if originally they went with a white actress, I probably would not have bad an eye and would have still gone seen this movie. Oh, for sure. I love the I, I love the Little Mermaid because it's like truly at the end of the day, they did not have to make the Little Mermaid black. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to do it. But it's one of those things where, like, in my brain, it's like, it's like this. Bruce Wayne will always be played by a white man because Bruce Wayne is a white man. And his whiteness is integral to his story because there's a lot of his privilege. A lot of the things that he gets away with as Bruce Wayne, as well as Batman, is because Mm -hmm. of his whiteness and his privilege and his wealth. And when we're talking about a mythical creature that is not real. And is and Ariel is and like and mermaids exist in multiple cultures mm-hmm. and is drawn and like they the, the concept of mermaids is not owned by one country or heritage. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a mythical creature. Anyone could be a mermaid. Anyone. Exactly. And that and that's the thing that I think people should understand is like, yes, they did not have to, but that does not mean Hallie cannot play this role. And honestly, I I and that's what I think I, I stand by the most is like she didn't have to, she didn't have to but that doesn't mean she didn't she couldn't do it and i'm glad that she did um no, she did she was the perfect cast and i saw her and it was like carries, you are a princess you got your big eyes looking all long and endearingly and, and tr- the way she knows when to sing and to talk like when she was singing part of your world she did that perfectly i just mm-hmm. felt like this is it this is exactly what we needed so i think um 
moving on from her because I feel like Hallie does carry a lot of the movie, even in the parts where she's not acting and she's acting with her face. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was impressive. But moving mm-hmm. on to like, let's talk about Ursula. Um, I will say, I think Melissa McCarthy did a good job as Ursula. However, I feel like the directors decided that our Ursula from the animated film was too much because I, I think she's too much. She's no, to that's the thing. I love no, that's the thing. I love that she's too much because we needed. I'm like, I just needed her to be like a little more zhuzh, a little mm-hmm. more extra. Like she is, like she definitely did the whole, you know, pathetic and. Like, that was cool and all. But I was just like, I felt like something was missing with her, Ursula. And it was just like, it's not necessarily the wardrobe change. But I really feel like it was just, I don't know. You know Ursula what from is. the cartoon was just like more menacing. Yeah. And, and the reason that she's not as menacing as she should be is not because of Melissa. But again, it's a direct, mm-hmm. it's a um, the pr- decision that made by the directors where it's like, in the cartoon, we see in like um, Ursula's lair in her cabin that she has like her walls are lined with the the mermaid, the mermaid people who lost to her. Like you know, they're they're as trapped as um, an, uh, see anemones and like trapped as clams and all these things on her wall. You know, we see their spirits haunting there, and you see that like, when Ariel is going in, like they're telling her no, don't go. They're like warning her. We don't get that in this one. In this one, they actually remove that complete element of where, mm-hmm. where you see that Ursula like is keeping these mermaids trapped and yeah. enslaved. And it's like, oh, we saw is these skeletons, and it's like again, like Ariel, girl, you be like this girl. She is not the brightest bulb in the shed in the two in the two. I appreciate it though that she had that moment, like, no, this is wrong, and then but like, of course. <laughs> That, it, that, it was, that was problem with that it was, was bleeding with with Ariel from the beginning from the very first cartoon. Like this girl was not that bright because I'm like, you see all these people telling girl that you don't you not see this woman turn me into a see an enemy second. And she ball, explains it in the so song, like, and she explains it in the song that like, oh, but I've had to like, I've had to like, even like even the scale with them. I'm like, what do you mean even the scale? Like, <laughs> our, this- like I you she was like you lost the you you lost so therefore this is your penance and that's why I've always been like you know what Ursula is not wrong because she told Ariel what the deal was. It, it was, was in the contract. Exactly. She didn't she didn't force Ariel to sign the contract. Ariel did that all on her own. Ariel's the one who went to Ursula. Okay. So I've always been like, you know what? Ursula had a point. Ursula was making points. And she was also talking about the classism within the mermaid, within the mermaid people, because like she was on the outskirts because Triton ain't shit. <laughs> you know? I mean, I honestly would have loved, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I still did appreciate Once Upon a Time, because we got an Ursula backstory at one point. However, I was waiting for them to explain, like, so what did she finally do to make him kick his sister? Also, spoilers, y'all. Ursula and Triton are brother and sister in this one. Yes. Yeah. I, okay, so I have a theory. I have a theory. That she that killed, her, killed his wife? That, <laughs> no, Ursula didn't kill his wife. I have a theory no, I that Ursula and, his, and Ursula and his wife were best friends. Mm. And he did something that led to her death. And Ursula... I, and I believe that he usurped Ursula. I feel Ursula was meant to go on the throne and he backstabbed her. And whatever that event was, uh, is what caused the wife to die and for Ursula to get um, excommunicated and banished from the kingdom. 
And that's why she hates his guts. And that's why he's afraid of her. You know, he's or Triton is afraid of Ursula. And I think that's why he's afraid because he's afraid she's going to come back for her revenge. And he'll be like, you know what? If she reveals the truth, he is shit out of the luck. So that's why I've never been on Triton. That is before. an interesting headcanon, I will that's say. Because I mean, my, that's my headcanon. I mean, I guess, like, because the, the oldest sister says, like, you don't remember what happened. But, like, you know, he, like, they say, like, how humans killed their mother. I'm just like, can we get a flashback? I was just like, this movie is two, hour, two hours and 12 minutes long. Can we get a flashback of the mom dying? I would just appreciate some content or a flashback of why he, when he banished Ursula. Just because, like, just saying it, I feel like, okay, thank you for the context. But, like, exactly, at the same time... Like, because the thing with this film, they added in things that we didn't need. I, we did not need that terrible scuttlebutt song. Oh, know? I hated. I okay. Just let's get to that too, because I, I, I know, this, the reason I mentioned that is because that time could have been used to give us more development with Ursula and Triton. Like right. We While I, that, we could have that that time could have been used to develop them more because Melissa yeah. McCarthy overall wasn't given that much in the film to do. They t- actually, there's a couple scenes in the cartoon that's not in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, like when the where people get turned back into humans and she's all distressed, that's not in this film. Right, when she's destroyed and people are returned. And it's like, my thing is, and I'll say this when it comes to Ursula and Triton, I feel like Triton's reasoning for dis- like his disdain towards humans made more sense in this film mm-hmm. because it wasn't so much about fear of the unknown. It was the fear that he couldn't protect his daughter th- like the way he couldn't protect his wife. However, mm-hmm. you got to connect them dots and it's not really until the end of the movie where it's like, well, what am I supposed to do when I can't protect her? And it was really about him being able to protect his baby versus just hating humans outright. Obviously, he hates women because humans because his his wife was killed by them. That, but a flashback would have given us more, and they would want to experiment on these mer people. Like everything right. going off to trot to do glow trotting with her husband, whereas now she's exposed the mer people to humans. Who gonna want to take them up and be like, you know what? Can we experiment on you? That kind of can we go? And if it wasn't it? for the queen who's in charge, I feel like, and her being scared of trying. <laughs> She's like, oh no, this is this is of the wa- this is of the water spirits. This is their business. Leave it alone. So I feel like she is respectful and like would not do that. But at the same time, Ariel's naivety when it comes to trusting humans, where it's like, girl, I want you to learn you can't trust all humans. Mm-hmm. You got lucky. You got real lucky this time because Eric literally had to stop one of his semen from killing a dolphin because he thought it was one of you, one of your people. So it's like there's a reason why your daddy did not want you swimming up there because you could have been that dolphin and you would have died. So it's like legitimate reasons were shown. That also, and they also took out the scene in the kitchen. Oh yeah, with Sebastian. Sebastian sees the, the 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 fish and everything, and also like Ariel is like, oh, they would never hurt more people underwater creatures. I'm like, you're eating your cousin. What are you telling me? Right. I also wondered why they cut out that moment with Sebastian because I'm like, I mean, yeah, there were some funny moments with like focused on him from his like little crabby um, perspective, but I just feel like, okay, this is interesting. Um, but yeah, no, there were just moments that I'm like, think, think changes that I did like adding more depth, you know, King Triton and Ariel's relationship and it not just only being about him, 
um, trying to control her. Because it's like the line he says at the end is like, you should have never have to have given up your voice to be heard in the first place. I thought that was a very poignant thing to say, because like at the end of the day, it wasn't this was not originally about Ariel falling in love. It was about Ariel wanting to be heard and to like wanting to have more autonomy over her choices and not feeling controlled which i think is like a really beautiful that was a that was a more poignant message than an ending in a wedding which i'm like we didn't need i didn't need to see her in a wedding dress i didn't need to see that i was i like the fact that you know a lot of films a lot of the disney princess films end with a wedding with like the character's ultimate goal wasn't necessarily to get married so like films like mulan and brave and even princess and the frog granted with princess and the frog i feel like the more important thing to me was that tiana got her place instead of like just marrying naveen so i digress i just i appreciate that this like hopefully if disney wants to make more of these films and i i I beg disney please please can we get some more i know we have the original one coming with the next um princess so that like that's an original story i'm looking forward to but the creative team is not black well we will see what happens there i just i just i don't even know (laughs) girl the creative team i think the lead writer is an asian woman or she looks biracial and the rest of them are white men so yeah, we will discuss that. Oh, when it comes out, in the next right. let's talk a bit about the music now. So the yes. music you mentioned Scuttlebutt earlier, Ugh. and I dislike that song intensely. We I did not need Scuttle in this movie. I, I mean, we did not need Aquafina and Scuttle. I did not need Aquafina rapping, but that's what you got. And I regret that I I literally have physical reactions hearing her voice. She mm-hmm. earns something very soul. But the other thing is, is like, again, this is another thing that was added to the film that I mentioned earlier. This is a scene, a sequence in the film that could that was not needed, was not necessary, that could have been used to develop Ursula. So, because they 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 give us Miguel. I, was, I said Miguel because I was thinking about um, Into the Spider-Verse just now. But <laughs> but they 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 give Eric more depth. Like he has a whole song talking about exploring the world, a pretty forgettable song. But at least let us know mm-hmm. that Jim Hurricane can actually sing. He has a great voice. But like we didn't need a sound centering Scuttle and um and Sebastian. If they wanted a song to thing with, with Sebastian, give me Le Poisson. Le Poisson. Oh I love Le Poisson for yes. mix it all nice. Oh, oh, That's what they could have been using that scene for. But then um the the music. The orchestration is gorgeous. The film, the score is gorgeous, but you can't go wrong because you have the original score by Alan Menken, which is like a classic score. It's one of the best Disney and best film scores ever. So the orchestra and the composer and everything, they did their job there. But when you got Lin-Manuel Miranda basically reusing the same rhythm and score from Hamilton and also Into the Heights, it takes you out of it completely because you start thinking of Hamilton songs. You know, that's what like I heard that. And then they had this. Um, then they did the lagoon scene. Um, kiss the girl, and Aquafina can't sing, and it just threw those scenes threw me off completely. And then David Diggs is hilarious as Sebastian. His comedic timing worked. His accent, however, the timing worked. Yes, thank you. I was just like, 
here and here's my problem. And again, I am not Jamaican. I I, I can't speak for people, but I just feel like personally, I just feel like why have him voice Sebastian and do an accent when there are plenty of talent who could do that with their regular voice mm. who are more than qualified. And it's like, yes, like you said, like Americans, most Americans are not going to be able to tell that that is a bad accent, but it's like, I'm not going to fake doing a Jamaican accent because uh-uh, y'all ain't going to cancel me on here on this podcast. But the point is, it's just like someone's doing a voice like when you don't have to do a voice. I just, this isn't like voice acting when like a character has to change a voice to fit the character. Like, no, y'all told him do a Jamaican accent. I, because, it, yeah, because the original um, Sebastian was voiced by a Jamaican, I think it was Trinidadian actually, mm-hmm. actor. And so like, David Dix has even said in an interview, like he eventually gave up and was doing whatever he felt like doing. So he couldn't even, he didn't even care enough to learn how to imitate a proper Trinidadian or even a Jamaican accent. He did a approximation of would what have been better. Right. Exactly. Which, he didn't even it would have been better if you did the work because it's again, if people want to use Chadwick Boseman as an example, like we've used an example, like again, Wakanda not a real place but mm-hmm. it's in but they created a language and accents around wakanda which that means it like i find chadwick's accent and performance acceptable mm-hmm. whereas this was literally someone gave from the direction of like just do a jamaican accent whatever you think I mean, that sounds like exactly or whatever you think it sounds like and that he didn't even care just like it annoyed me the entire time yes I laughed out loud because the dialogue was funny. Mm-hmm. I, I said his line delivery and his inflections were funny, but the voice that he used, the accent was, I think, terrible. And like, even if like, if he was giving up, the director could have been like, you know what? That's crap. And you just talking in regular voice. You know why? Because Haley was talking in her regular voice. She was talking in an American accent. Literally, her daddy got her daddy got a whole Hispanic accent. <laughs> like, he, like Javier Bardem was like I will not pretend to be anything I'm not and which I, I appreciate it because I'm I am here for Zaddy Triton with that voice <laughs> but I'm the king of the seven seas I'm gonna pick a I'm gonna stick with my accent because I have traveled and seen the world and I would and I would beg I would ask someone like wh- what would King Triton's voice sound like like what is an accent that King because you can't tell me one you can't yeah, I'm sorry they're <laughs> under the sea they're under but- the sea and they're mermaids <laughs> And he's a crab. Hey, Hallie's out there talking with her um, American Southern accent. Um, I think because they think they're from Houston. Mm-hmm. That's what she's talking with, like a flattened version of that. Let Debbie talk with, a, with his accent. Just tone down the American inflection a bit. But like, just do that. Because you got every, you got Melissa McCarthy out there talking with her, her American accent. You know? Right. She so, did a like, voice, but it was more so that sultry voice yeah, that she was doing which work. again that worked for the character mm-hmm. but yeah i did not need the whole rap break with him and aquafina um i did like some of the new music i will say like you know and then like like there's the part where like ariel can't speak i think it was really i i really enjoyed that perspective of her like we're hearing her internal thoughts through song which I think was an interesting way to go very different from like what they did before, where it's just like, yeah, no, she should, she just can't speak. And then also 
um, Ursula mentioning like, oh yeah, I also added something extra to the spell. Because I'm like, thank you, because this would make more sense in reality. Because yeah, if she didn't forget about the kiss, she probably she probably would have been kissed that man. She would have been trying harder. Exactly. Right? She would have she would have been kissed him. But I was like, you know, this I I appreciate updating certain things in like these classic films because it adds more depth and reasoning to it. And I think that's what we should expect from adaptations. Now, everything doesn't have to be a reflection of the original. Exactly. Like they update it, make it more slightly less problematic, but also yeah. like put effort into it. Because like, okay, so like we mentioned one of the songs, like the new song. So like one of those new songs that did work for me is like because she can't talk, but she's like, we know mm-hmm. that she's thinking in her head where she's like getting changed, you know, she's in the past for the first time. And she's getting changed and she's looking around and wonder. I love that new song. That new song was really good. And it actually reminded me of the song In My Own Little Corner from Cinderella. You know, where she am with Brandy the more she goes, In my own corner, my Yes. That reminded me of that. Because mm-hmm. um, I so I like that uh, that new song with Haley. And it's also it makes sense that it would give her an extra song because she's there to she is a singer, you know. So it makes sense to have to give her an additional song where we get to hear. Her singing because ironically enough ariel who's known for her voice actually doesn't really sing much in the entire film you know mm-hmm. so they gave her an extra opportunity so that's that's one of the updates for the film that i really appreciate i really yeah, that's where i was like you know what this that's what one of the things that makes it worth watching for me because i will be honest i will if i had to make a choice of a film that i would rewatch, i would still go for the first for the cartoon first but if but if pe- when people say would you would you still watch the Little Mermaid? I'm like, because uh, it's still a good film, you know. Like I really mm-hmm. the updates that it did made it work. Hallie makes it work. Her chemistry with Jonah makes it work. Her um like Melissa McCarthy like while she asked Ur- Ursula makes it work. Um, even even Eric's scenes with the mother who is black, um, mm-hmm. played by <laughs> let me get the actress's name. Her name is uh, Noma Dumanzweni. She like I like his scenes with her and the and his major doma, Mister Grimsby, played by Art Malik, like where he's talking to them and they're trying to talk to him and get him to understand their perspectives and he's telling them his perspectives because like their scenes kind of mirror like Ariel's scenes with Triton, mm-hmm. where she's trying to get him to listen to her and here is the same thing happening above um, on on land where Eric is trying to get his um, his mother and his and his um, major domer, his butler, to listen to him. So I like those scenes as well. And yeah, so those are those are the things I really like about it. The I be honest, the VFX, the VFX for the stuff that takes place ab- above the ocean works really well. Like the water, like the very first opening sequence, which is a thunderstorm on the sea, and all this were really well done. I like, I said, you know what, Rob Marshall had films like Master Commander. And a whole bunch of other British films to use as a guidebook on how to film like those kind of ocean scenes. But the VFX, the underwater VFX scenes were not very well done. Some like, of them were hard to watch, like with the camera being the first person perspective. Like there was that very that in the first few minutes, it's like taking you through the coves and the coral. And like it was just hard to focus. Mm-hmm. my eyes at first and i'm just like oof this is not this is not for my old eyes <laughs> exactly it was it kind of it reminded me of this the same issue i had with avatar where because they're going for a hyper realistic look 
and like the increased frame rate is like your eyes are saying like the ocean does not look like this underwater at night where all these bright colors coming from well no there are bright colors in the ocean on the night but everything only certain things are fluorescent but even then like even in the daytime sequences the vfx for Haley because it's all vfx mm-hmm. and her skin tone has a like her skin tone and ursula's and the mermaid's skin tones have this plasticky look to them they look like they were like their skin looked like it was made of clay or wax like it didn't work for me um so the underwater scenes unfortunately did not work as and speaking of the underwater scenes like we did like when they did the um one thing that i was really missing when it comes to the music was you know there's a scene where sebastian is telling her about under the sea we didn't it's not a chorale piece so you know like in the original version you have the animals singing the animals in this one didn't sing and that was because they're all vfx <laughs> so it's not a choir we're not hearing a choir singing so that's another problem where they're tr- where they're doing these live actions is because they're doing so much with vfx and they're not having mm-hmm. like actual voice actors playing like side characters you know we're missing like the core what, what i would call the choral element we're missing the choir element yeah oh, i would shoot. say that's the same yeah i would say some of the most impressive shots we're seeing ariel as a mermaid on land Mm-hmm. Um, seeing her like laying on the rock and like I will say that first scene where she does the iconic like singing and then like the water behind her me and my sister yeah. could not help but laugh because the way her hands was moving I was like hold up oh, she's sliding across the rock like that <laughs> it's like a monster I was like bro sliding across the rock like that I just need to know who told y'all to do it that way. Why? Why you look like a monster? I'm like, is this a, is this gonna turn into a horror movie? Oh, I laughed. Was, I laughed too. I was like, how is she gliding across the rock like I'm that? Like, why you do that? But okay, the, I, I think some of the more impressive shots were definitely out of the water, which is sad to say. Like, yes, they're like I love the mermaid's hair underwater, and I think underwater filming effects has come a long way given that like i i think aquaman was one of the first to do it um and i feel like that's i i would say that's a pretty good one still but like i don't think we've hit perfection yet with that i think i think that's just one of the things that's gonna have it'll get better with time but i i was more impressed with the shots of where she's a mermaid or like the other mermaids out of water or like just seeing her sisters underwater and like all of their like the different unique designs was like beautiful but i will say speaking of clothing i just wanted to see the purple dress when she came out the water i I know it don't match i know it doesn't match anything in this era that everyone else is wearing but i was just like that damn blue dress that was the only outfit she was iconic it was cute it was iconic but i was just like I just wanted her to come out the ocean in a magical dress made by her daddy. Again, that was like, that's like, the, that is, not, and that is not the dig at this movie. That was just like me just being like, okay, this blue dress. <laughs> it's the, not a dig. It's still, the, it's still good. The costuming, I think, was great. I honestly think the costuming was really, really good. No, the costume is good. Um, you mentioned the hair. So I, I have a small nitpick with the hair. Oh, so, the locks they did the locks i like that the decision the hairdresser the hairstylist made with keeping Mm -hmm. her locks and wrapping it the problem was the type of locks the type of hair they use they use like that stiff yaki you know 
they didn't use the right texture. They should use the Afro kinky here mm-hmm. because it would not only keep protecting um Hallie's natural locks, but it would stay together because the she used straight here. <laughs> you can <laughs> see some of her locks p- p- poking through, and it's like. I don't think anybody oh, no. I don't think anybody who is not familiar with how locks are supposed to look or like how braids in general <laughs> are supposed to look but typically when you have locks and if like cuz my sister ha- my both my sisters and my mother have locks it's like one of these things like if somebody wants to have like added hair on top of it they going to make sure that stuff is wrapped tight which I think for the fact that they had the team that they did, I can understand, like, she had to go underwater quite a few times, so I imagine it could have just been one of them times, like, dang, we missed it. But and they could use, but that's the, the hair type, the hair type would have been a better choice, I agree. The hair type makes all the difference. I think my, mm-hmm. I, and this is where I, this is where, again, the directors, the creative team was like, we want to do diversity with what we don't, we don't want to do diversity all the way. Because they were like, we still need her to have like white hair, quote unquote, white hair. We still need her to have the signature area here flowing in the water, you know, making it all white. And that can't happen if you're using African key texture. Because African key texture here, even even if it's um for for full locks, even if it's fake, once water hits that, you know, like the texture is gonna look black. They're like, okay, yes, she's a black woman. She's playing a mermaid, but she can't have like full black hair. Right, which I feel like was the compromise with like I don't get me wrong, I love goddess locks, but I think that was probably their compromise with like having half the hair locked and then like having the rest of the hair at the ends flowing more. Which yeah. yeah. But I was just like I'm like, girl, this is like where you were this I was just like a two hundred and fifty million dollar movie and I can see her locks peeping through. Yeah. I feel like and it's it such did- a minor thing, but it's just one of those things like dang. You know, and we have all that work. Pick it up. We got that. We have, and it looks stiff and dry. And it was just like, wow. I feel I agree with you because if they did use like that kinky and like there's wet and wavy. Granted, I know mm-hmm. wet and wavy do not last that long. So it's like as soon as wet and wavy get wet, it gets tangled. So it's like it would still give that. We're getting way too deep into the hair, but like the whole point is like I appreciate the fact that we know that there was a team of black stylists on set to do this. And honestly, this should be the standard moving forward, but that doesn't mean it can't have room for improvement. Like, exactly. I just, I just think like, I think of other films where you will see black characters and I just be like, who the hell did their hair? And mm-hmm. what is that wig? And ugh, I just, it, it, it irks my soul. Like when I when we've heard stories of actresses having to do their own hair on set mm-hmm. with limited materials, with limited supplies, I just I would scream. I would I, I would absolutely scream. Yeah, because uh, like having black women or black hairstylists doing black um hair for black leads is still an exception and not norm. Like I read like my piece, hey, soft toot. Um mm-hmm. for variety, where I spoke to three black female her stylist working in hollywood today like um maria fraser works on um Abba elementary araxi um why am i drawing a blank on her name but araxi she works on um Air, and then there's deandra she worked she worked on swarm with um dominique fishback and like I, we spoke about this and like it's like super important to have black hair stylists who know how to work with different types of black hair on these sets 
And it would have been absolutely a shame and appalling if Disney didn't do that. Because as I said, $250 million, you better find black hair stylist, not just one, but a whole team of them to work with. You're mm-hmm. not only your lead actress, but the supporting characters. Because as we said, like the um, Eric's mother is played by a black woman, Numa. Like you need people who could do her hair. You know, there's the background characters some of who are black you need people who can do their hair you have like the mermaids you have um like one of those sisters is black with like natural hair which was like an afro and then you even had like if you looked in the background like some of the mermen were black with locks you know like the security like the the men the, the, the i want to call them security guard they're not security guards but they're like you know standing century, centuries right that's what you would call them were black men with locks so you know people who can maintain they're here. So uh, as I said, $250 million, Disney more than they, they, that was the least they could do for Halle. Mm-hmm. I agree. That is literally the least they could do. Um, I think any final thoughts as we wrap up the film review? No, like I think that I think we managed to we we're not doing a full length interview like um, episode like we do for regular, but I think we managed to cover everything. Like yeah. I just I, I I would have greatly appreciated no Aquafina, but please, I, I just need to divest themselves of Lin Manuel Miranda, please. I think we can challenge ourselves to find other composers. That there are other composers. Look on TikTok, y'all find somebody. <laughs> like, and and I don't mean that in like this hateful way. I just feel like I would like some on new TikTok doing really good music. I I would just I would like for us to explore some new blood in the game, like. No shade to him. I love Moana. Love <laughs> Moana. Um, loved Encanto. <laughs> However, for the Lin-Manuel Miranda does not need to be y'all only composer for all these films. And like, that's not the same. Like, I like that new song that she sang. What is it? Walking Through the Door or... But did um, he write that? I, did he write that? I thought he was the lead writer on the music. But am I wrong? Hold on. Let's let's make sure we write. <laughs> Just cut this out. <laughs> Google. The little mermaid sauce. Um twenty twenty three. It's part of your world, fathoms below. Oh, here we go. Apple music. For the first time. For the first time. <laughs> that was another song from, that was also, that was from, that's, I'm singing it. That was from what cartoon? That's from another Disney The cartoon. first time in forever. That's, you're thinking of Frozen. Yes. In forever. But I, yeah, because I started humming it in the cinema. <laughs> but she started to say, it was like, wait, this song. It just- was very reminiscent of that. Um, <laughs> It's sung by Ariel. Okay, here's a on the Wikipedia, the Disney Wikipedia page. I was just gonna, I was, I was trying to find trying to. The I'm song was created to almost work as a montage so that they could take Ariel through the experience of coming on land, and it was like be put in shoes and having legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not saying yeah. Lyrics by Lin Manuel Miranda, composer Alan Alan Minkin. Composer Alan Minkin. But the lyrics was by Lin Manuel Miranda. Miranda. The composition makes all the difference. Like he's a like Lima Miranda is a good lyricist. 
my favorite lyricist music is the compositions Mm -hmm. the compositions are almost all the same and if you listen to from in the heights up to now he has like it's a very iconic and i say iconic or uh, very easy to identify if it's a lin-manuel Miranda song and it's just like he just I'm not saying he has one trick. I am saying, however, I'm saying it. It don't take it, it. You could play one of his songs, and I could tell you if he was behind it. I feel mm-hmm. very confident in that. Huh. And you could, and you, and you can play for the very first time, for the very first time, and immediately know. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard. It's really not hard. And I mean, like, I, I'm, I like his music, but I just want more. You know, like I, I would like. Oh, tr- fun fact. Regarding the song, the song shares the same first four words for the first time in forever and for the first time from the musical adaptation of Tarzan. Yes. I love that. Alan Minkin, you genius. You he's a gem. He he's is. a gem. We well, love Alan Minkin. He's a legend. Like we we gotta have an episode where we just like give him flowers, honestly. We, you no, we should because Top I think he also wrote Disney music for um, I, also, I think he also wrote music for Hercules. Yes. He's the reason we probably got the, the music singing the way we did. Okay. Between him and Phil Collins going mm-hmm. hard on tar- yeah, let, okay, this is getting off track. Let's wrap up this episode and then maybe this will be one of the things we bring into reality for y'all. We can just do a Disney top let's do top 20 Disney songs and you come with 10 and I come with 10. I so was yeah, I was just going to say doing a top 10 is going to be hard like we'll come I am pretty sure you and me will probably come to the table and probably have at least like 3 or 4 in common. So it's going to be between 10 and, and 15. So. 10 to 15 each. That works because the music from Tarzan alone. <laughs> oh, I'm y'all I I just feel like we should just put the movies down. If if you if you have more than 3 songs from one movie just put the movie down and say like <laughs> and say the, the soundtrack to say that's, that's gonna be the little mermaid that's gonna be tarzan it's gonna be hercules that's gonna be mulan <laughs> Mo- oh my god yeah okay and until next time until <laughs> next time i am nisha and you guys can always find me at nisha plays on social media so tiktok instagram and twitter occasionally when y'all know when the timeline isn't on fire but yeah, follow me there and make sure y'all communicate with me and Carolyn as we, I mean, there's a lot of good things coming out in the next few months and just like, we'll be covering a lot of things also. So keep an eye out for that. And Carolyn, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok, occasionally posting mini vlogs. I'm using hashtag, well, not hashtag, using my handle at CarrieCNH12. I use my Instagram and my Twitter mainly to post my recently uh, published work and pieces. So you can find them in my pinned tweets and go to my Instagram posts. And uh, first thing first, before we close off, we got to say congratulations again to Nisha. She graduated. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Now y'all got to put MBA after my name. Yes, <laughs> Miss Lanisha Campbell, MBA. A dot. <laughs> Period. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So until our next episode, everyone, stay safe. Bye. Bye.